I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. best English language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Saying welcome back feels a little bit off today. So I'll just say, come on in and suffer alongside of us. Drinks are a plus, Kleenex necessary. The rest of it we got for you. Tito, on a scale of one to 10, how sad are you today? Scale of one to ten, I would say maybe a fourteen, give take. Uh, but on the plus side, here I am, sat in this bunker, and the scenery is beautiful. The fluorescent lights are flickering. The ventilation system is humming along very musically. Could be a lot worse. How about you, Mike? Yeah, it, it definitely is a, a depressing time. Uh, for me, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Now that we're what, well, 24 hours past uh, the loss, a uh, couple things have played out. Uh, Cagliari came back and, and won in, in true Fiorentina fashion. Torino just beat Roma uh, three to one. There's a lot of pressure on the club right now. I don't know. I don't know. It feels uh, does not feel very good though. You know. There's really only one thing you can ask in times like these. And Mike, that question is, what are you drinking today? Uh, it was hard for me to drink anything Tuscan uh, with the way things are going. <laughs> so I decided, like, you know, just about everything else good in, in football, I'm going to make my way north and I'm going to drink a Barolo today. So uh, Ooh, that's where nice. I'm at. Nice uh, 2015 Barolo. Very smooth, very crisp. Not not certainly the, the, the body that I typically like to have. I like a nice, bold wine. This is very, very smooth, uh, very palatable, though. Um, so that's where I'm at. I had, I had to make my way out, out of, uh, Firenze and, and Tuscany, uh, all the way up to, uh, drink a Barolo. How about you? Well, in honor of our Viking goalkeeper, I have a Polish Pilsner made by Womza. I think that's how you say it. It's the, it's the L with the little mark through the L, which I think is almost a W, but all the Polish people I've talked to have informed me I'm not even close. So Womza-ish. Ish? Uh, and it's just like, yeah, it's just a real nice, crisp, refreshing beer that, you know, it makes you feel like it's spring and you're outside and everything is fine. And then uh, and then you realize what's happening with Fiorentina and that all comes crashing down. But for those like two seconds, it's a really, really pleasant illusion. Yeah, you know, I, I'm getting the feeling more and more every year that I don't like spring. You know, any kind of drink that makes me feel like spring just feels like relegation now. I want a drink that makes me feel like fall. 
you know, just give me, just give me that drink that makes us feel like we're in a good fall spirit. You know, the, the season's ahead of us. We can talk <laughs> about, uh, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's what uh, we need. Maybe, yeah, we did a, uh, I wrote a piece, I don't know, a couple of years ago that instead of discussing a game, it was just cocktail recipes. Mm. So maybe we, maybe it's time for another one of those. Uh, I should go ahead and say here though, that we are not alone, Mike. There are other things out there. We are not alone. And I think this is where we have to jump in and introduce our producer. Yes, Viola Station now has a producer. It makes us sound way more professional. It's also going to actually make us sound like a real podcast instead of uh, us being morons, which we will continue to be. And so (laughs) I am pleased to introduce producer Mike. Producer Mike, hello. Tito and Mike, thank you for bringing me on. Um, I hope I can live up to the expectations of just making a sound better. I like to think I can do that. So, you know, surely things can't get any worse. Not at all. Yeah, we're going to be a big challenge for you. Yeah, and don't call me Shirley. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Cheers for that. Cheers Uh, for that. So... Producer Mike, let's uh, just real quick. If you want, you want to fill everyone in on the on your background here and what qualifies you to produce uh, us two idiots. Sure. Um, I guess first and foremost, like anybody who is on this podcast, who is listening to this podcast, or even reads the site, I am a Fiorentina fan, just like you. Um, so I think that kind of qualifies me enough. Other than that, I've worked in TV and radio. Um, Tito and Mike can see me now, but unfortunately, I am quite young, but I bring a wealth of experience to the table. So I like to think that this podcast now is going to start representing the makeup of Fiorentina. I like to think I'll be Dushan Vlahovic with Ooh. Mike and Tito, potentially Ribery Calahone. So <laughs> I'll bring the youth, they bring the experience, but I think this podcast can keep going upwards. At least it didn't call oh, it Sirio. At least it didn't call it Sirio. Yeah. Oh, God. Wait, so that just would have been rude to you guys. Which one of us is Ribery and which one's Callejon? I'll let you guys figure that out. Yeah, don't answer that. I'm, I'm, that's just going to depress me when I learn which one is which. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, you'll be hearing producer Mike occasionally jump in as well, but he's his presence is most going to be felt on us sounding a lot more professional and having some knowledge of what we're doing. So thanks, Mike. No problem. That's what I'm here for. All right, and now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, and that, of course, means we're doing birthdays. Uh, and let's start with one that's actually today on Sunday, which is Claudia Nethel turns 33, which is pretty cool. I mean, not quite been the season she wanted, I don't think, for Fiorentina Femenile. But she's still a really good player, wouldn't you say, Mike? Uh, very good player. I agree. I think that uh, we were probably hoping for a better season. I don't know how much of that I put on Claudia herself, but, uh, you know, she she is still a very good player, somebody that we're going to depend on moving forward. I still want to send an apology out for the one time that we said something negative and she did like the post. And I sincerely, sincerely and profusely apologize to her. I'm still going to do that because I do love her. Um, but, uh, yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, class player. Uh, Speaking of class players, uh, on Wednesday, the 21st, 
Marco Donadell turns 38, uh, also affectionately known as Ronald McDonadell <laughs> around these parts. Longtime servant for Fiorentina, kind of a scrappy defensive midfielder who also scored, I think, four or five goals for the club in his six years there. And they were all from absurd distances. I think he's also the first Fiorentina player to ever wind up in MLS uh, with the Vancouver, is it the Whitecaps, I think? Sure, we'll go with that. And yeah, now he's back coaching the uh, the U18s. And from what I could tell, seems like a pretty cool guy. I had the pleasure of meeting him actually at the time that I did the Bobby Duncan uh, interview. Went up to training in Fiasole. Uh, he was there with the younger teams, uh, was in, you know, with the, uh, uh, the, the weightlifting area. When he came in, I, I knew exactly who he was because he was a player that I followed uh, immensely during his time. And now that he's retired, coming into being a coach, I, I, I thought I was, you know, meeting somebody that I've looked up to for all these years. And if it wasn't for today, finding out that he's 38, busting my uh, bubble here, that he's actually younger than me. <laughs> yeah, just, just one of those things, but uh, truly a genuinely nice guy. Took a couple minutes to talk, take a couple pictures, um, wish him all the best in, in his career moving forward as a coach. Yeah. Well, someone who, from those old Prandelli teams, who maybe is a little bit unsteadier and has less of a coaching future, also a birthday a couple days after that, on Friday the 23rd, Juan Manuel Vargas, a local, also turns 38. And uh, I, I love I love Vargas so much yeah, just for all those goals. But, man, I could not – there are very few Fiorentina players who I think would be worse suited to working with a bunch of teenagers <laughs> and providing that good, steady example, right? Uh, I don't know, Mike. What's, what's your favorite Vargas memory? I, I just love the guy himself. He was one of those that were right there at the beginning uh, of, of the times that I started watching the club. Uh, I love what Prandelli did with him, uh, taking him from uh, more of a, a defensive role and moving him up. Uh, you know, they, they truly created – uh, a, a new position for him on the team, which made him, you know, just uh, immovable from that starting lineup. Uh, and every time he was out there, number one, he was a tank. You know, we, I, I miss seeing some of those yeah. built dudes out there who are just a dude. Like you, you need some of them out there as people are chopping down the legs of Vlahovic. You know, Vargas wasn't taking any of that. Uh, he he was an animal. He was a beast, and and he did have a lot of tremendous goals from distance. Again, so uh, another one of those players that that I relish and uh, loved every minute of watching. Yeah, that I think I actually went. There's a compilation of all of his Fiorentina goals on YouTube. That's you know set to terrible European dance music, of course, as he would want it. Uh, and there's some just ridiculous strikes in there. I yeah. think my favorite one was from a. Uh, 2010 against Udinese, he hit this volley, like, where his shoulders are facing the corner flag, and he, like, tracks down the ball as it's looping across his body and just smacks it straight back into the, across uh, Samir Handanovic, actually, at that time, was the Udinese goalkeeper, and just bashes it straight across face of goal into the side netting inside. It, it's It's just absurd. I don't know how you can get that much power on a ball when you're jumping and falling away like that. 
I mean that and that uh that picture of him in the airport I think in uh in Lima where he's wearing he's obviously hammered and he's wearing a t-shirt that just says <laughs> and we might have to bleep that out and it, yeah that's I love that so much it's just that I mean he was a character well, that's it it's a nut job but he was a... uh, absolutely what what about what are the thoughts about having him and Fry on the same team ah. Yeah, you talk about two opposites. I mean, Seba, you know, the Zen master, Buddhist, just always calm, always cool, always eating bread. And Juan Vargas, who is getting his grains in liquid form, I think, for the most part, and just always up to party and bulldoze people. I would have loved to see those two together. Yeah, it feels like a really good buddy cop kind kind of a thing. Uh, one more birthday we should probably get to, which is also on Friday. A current Fiorentina player is turning, what is this, 22? Is that right? I think he's turning 22. Yeah, Luca Ranieri. Uh, on loan at Spall right now and doing quite well there. Uh, turns 22. I think he's started almost all of their games in defense. Uh, most importantly, he's grown out a mustache recently. Uh, jump on his Instagram. Yeah, he's got a, like, his whole upper lip. It's just a caterpillar now. Makes him look a lot wow. older than 20, well, than 22. But good on him. Happy birthday, Luca. Seems like a lead photo for the uh, for the podcast here. Yeah, we, you know, if they've got one on, on Getty for us to use, I might have to pull that in there. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we're through the preliminaries and all the fun stuff, let's get to the not fun stuff, Mike. And that starts as it has, I don't know, for how long, with uh, talking about Fiorentina. And so I guess (laughs) let's start out about what you think about Beppe Ball 2.0 so far. What what are like the couple of things that have stood out most to you? The the first thing that stands out to me is is that we had to come back to Beppe Ball 2.0. Brandelli decided that he was leaving, uh, put out that letter different thoughts that are out there as far as why he left, but uh, he did. And and now we're back with Beppe. Um, Beppe seemed to have a better relationship with the players. I don't know if I've seen that since he's been back though. Uh, You can be whatever coach you want to be, but if the players aren't playing it, it's not going to matter. Uh, The results haven't been there, but I also am not exactly sure how much of that falls on, on Beppe just as a result of the players not, pushing to play. And I'll, I'll use uh, an example, hate to throw him under the bus. He's been great for us for many years. Petzela. Um, Petzela is the frontline guy. He's a captain. He's supposed to be organizing the defense. Beppe is a defensive minded guy. Um, he has not played well uh, over the past couple of months. And it's not just, you know, with Beppe back, but you would have expected Petzela to pick it up once Beppe came back and he has not. Uh, I think he's actually gotten worse. He's been a worse leader uh, on the pitch. And um, uh, that that's my, my biggest concern in all honesty. So moving forward, I don't know how Beppe fixes that because he's not a most motivational guy. I mean, he's known for saying one word on the pitch. Joka, so. joka, joka! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh I think what stood out the most to me is how how he's playing exactly how we expect him to have Fiorentina playing, right? With the five three two and 
everyone stays deep and you counter with maybe three players at most at any given moment and how Fiorentina's attack looks fundamentally broken again and I think what's so depressing about that to me is that there at the end under Prandelli they had clearly started making progress going forward I mean they'd scored what 15 goals in their or sorry like 12 goals in the five games before Prandelli left Vlaovic was doing really well some of the other attackers were finally starting to figure it out. It looked like there was some real cohesion going forward. There's some nice passing moves. You could see, you could see the the basis of a of a team that could successfully control a, a game. And uh, Rondelli left, and oh boy, that team is gone now. There is absolutely no control whatsoever from Fiorentina, and I think that's that's what stood out the most to me. I mean, we. We all know who Beppe is, right? Like, he's going to, well, theoretically, organize your defense really well and try to grind out scoreless draws or 1-0 wins. Uh, And Prandelli, he's never been that guy. He's always been a much more expansive attacking mind. But that whiplash going from from Prandelli really trying to get the the squad to open up and and play with some some more courage going forward back to Beppe Ball where it's defend with 11, possibly 12 or 13 players and Joka, Joka, Joka has been really jarring for me to watch. Uh, and I also think it's probably reopened the, uh, the good old relegation debate that's been running on this podcast. Uh, what all year long, right? So what do you think, Mike? Are we looking at relegation now? I, I know you've been a lot you've been a lot more worried about it than I have so far. Are you even more discouraged now and thinking that Serie B is rapidly approaching? You know, we've been discussing this for the past few podcasts. And for me, the reason why I have kept it open was the approach in the January Mercado by Fiorentina versus the other relegation um, uh, teams that were, that were down there, you know, our competition. Since then, it has played out that Fiorentina is now sitting very, very close uh, to relegation. I'm going to continue to say that I'm fearful of it. Do I think it's going to happen? I'm not saying that I think it's going to happen, but based off of the loss and how we lost, that has me more concerned than ever. Um, sports is very big with momentum. And knowing that we have a game Wednesday, we have another game on the weekend. Momentum would have been crucial. Keeping that three points that we had a one nil lead going into halftime. You can argue, you know, that first penalty was it, was it not? Uh, but after that, the team completely fell apart and we gave up all three points, not even able to leave the game with one uh, momentum being what it is. I am very fearful. Uh, what's happened since? Well, Cagliari came back right after our game and, and won um, uh, beat, beat Parma took all three points, moved up within five uh, of uh, Fiorentina. We've now seen the results that uh, Torino has beat Roma. 
uh, now sitting level with us with a game in hand. Thankfully, Benevento and Spezia have uh, both lost. So they're still in that same ballpark as far as Fiorentina. But I don't feel good based off of how we're playing. I don't think that we can dictate a game towards scoring goals, defending to keep the ball out of the net and, and winning. I think that we're more relying on the points that we've scored ahead of others uh, so far this season and hoping that they're not going to get enough points uh, over the last few games of the season. So I am very fearful. I think that there is a very real possibility. I don't think that it's likely. I think it's likely that we stay up but I am very fearful that we get relegated. It is assuredly uh, a chance over the next few games. And and if we don't get some points and points here soon to create some, some breathing room and put pressure on those, you know, below us, um, we're, we're going to be in a lot of trouble and that's going to shift the pressure from those teams below us to Fiorentina. And we're not a team that's built to withstand any type of pressure. We have no yeah. leadership right now inside of the club to handle that. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. I'm, I'm still a little bit more optimistic just because I, I think that Benevento is a bad team. I think that Spezia is a bad team. I think that Cagliari is a really bad team, despite some additions in the Mercado. I mean, you know, big win, but let's keep in mind that it was over Parma, who are also terrible, even worse. Yeah, very true. And, very true. And they had lost their four games before, in a row before that. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's still possible, but I see Fiorentina scraping another five, six points out of the remaining seven fixtures, give or take. And I think that's enough to get them over the line. Again, I don't think it's going to be very fun to watch. I think we're uh, we're going to get to keep talking about this for a lot longer than I want us to, uh, probably up till the last match day against Crotone. But I I think it would take a collapse that's beyond even Fiorentina's regular ability uh, to actually see them actually see them uh, drop down. Although, you know, now that I put that out in the universe, right, they're probably going to go winless the rest of the way and you know, spend 90 minutes spilling hot soup all over themselves every week. So at least there's that. And, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we're talking about Beppe and what his appointment means for the rest of the year. And it pretty much forces you to think about uh, who's going to replace him on the touchlines next year. And, you know, we've heard a lot of names get thrown against the wall so far none of them have stuck really and one of them has definitely come unstuck recently uh what do you what are you hearing about uh sorry these days mike uh reading and, and hearing two different you know a couple different things uh reading that he's gone uh absolutely uh fiorentina has moved on what i've heard is more along the motivations and, and we'll get to ask our guests uh, later on this uh, podcast on his thoughts on what I've heard. And, and what I've heard is that Fiorentina decided to move on from Sari and Spalletti based off of uh, the preference to not have Prade as the director of sport, which would mean that uh, Fiorentina would prioritize the director of sport being Daniele Prade staying in role over uh, a Sari or a Spalletti coming in as, as a uh, uh, manager to the club. So um, unfortunately, 
like so many good things, uh, this too has passed uh, with Fiorentina. So I don't think that uh, we have this to look forward to. So now it opens up the door to all the other coaching carousel rumors. Yeah, and it sounds like the top name on the board there is Gennaro Gattuso. Uh, Everything I've heard says that he and Fiorentina are pretty close to an agreement and he's almost ready to sign on the dotted line. Uh, Although he does have a couple of conditions, which, you know, would make you think that maybe Daniele Prade and he are not going to see eye to eye. Uh, He wants to get rid of all of the over 30 players and he wants big investment in this window uh, to, as a guarantee, if he's going to sign on and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, where, where are you on Gattuso, Mike? I, I'm kind of conflicted on him, to be honest. So I'd like you to tell me what I should think about him here. I'm not going to tell you what you should think about him. I, I think that, you know, people have beat up on Gattuso for a few years. I think he's better than people give him credit for. But as, as always, you know, what I do is I look at the business side of things. One of the things that we've talked about over the past few podcasts, my preference for a coach is somebody who can come in and dictate the terms of the upcoming Mercado. Somebody who can say, I want X amount, you know, over what we sell. We're going to sell Milenkovic. We're going to sell Petzela. We're going to eventually have some more money coming in for Chiesa. And per the financial fair play rules, we can spend next year's 50 million euros in this window. So when you take all of those things into consideration, I love the fact that if Gattuso, if the rumors are true, Gattuso is coming in and making demands, making requests for how much money we're going to spend. The only question though, now turns back into who's spending that money. That's always the biggest fear when you're, you're hearing all of these rumors that Fiorentina is prioritizing a team next year with Dan, uh, Daniele Prade as the director of sport. He has no vote of confidence from uh, any fans at this point based off of the recent history in any Mercado. I, I don't know how uh, Gattuso can feel very comfortable with a guy who's never been a a protege from a, a talent standpoint. Um, you know, he doesn't have that as, as a skill set. It's always going and finding those older players. Well, w- one thing's contradictory here. Who's going to win out? History is showing that Prade is going to win out. So now you're having another lame duck coach, which is, is a fear of mine, in all honesty. It, it, not sure if that's going to sway you. You know, those are just my thoughts or, and, and, and opinions. What, what are your thoughts? Do you differ in any of those? Uh I guess I'm looking more at Gattuso as a coach rather than as a function, an organizational function. And I'm, I, I think you're right. I think he's probably gotten pilloried a little bit much because of his reputation as a player, uh, as being a coach who just yells at people and motivates them rather than being any kind of tactician. And that he's basically just done. He's basically just followed the format that, uh, sorry. And then, uh, Oh, God, who was it? Milan when he took over before that? Uh, whoever that was. Th- that he's basically just inherited uh, systems and tactics and stuck with those with the same players. And I think there's some of that, but also he's clearly not afraid to go with what's working okay. Uh, I think my biggest thing is that at both Napoli and Milan, he's shown that he's not going to challenge ownership or management. Uh, he's been asked by 
journalists at both of those places, you know, are you going to, are you going to ask for more players who like, do you want more investment? He'll, he's always said like, that's not my job. My job is to work with what I have. And uh, I don't think that's what Fiorentina needs right now, but tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to do a thing that makes me very glad that uh, we're doing this through screens and that I'm not within uh, arm's reach of you. Cause I'm going to go out here and say that, I can see a case for keeping Daniele Prade and let me lay it out for you here. And then I'm just going to, I'm just going to let you go off and uh, probably go hide somewhere in this bunker. <laughs> Those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll preface this by saying, I, I don't think that Daniele Prade is the guy for this job at all. And I think that he has uh, adequately demonstrated that over the past couple of years. But that said, he hasn't been, a complete wash in all ways. Uh, I think especially right now with a new coach coming in, with the club yet again in flux, I think you could make a pretty good case for stability being necessary and someone someone being in the room who knows what they're doing. I mean, as we've seen with uh, Joe Barone, he's not, he's not really a soccer guy. And there aren't a whole lot of those in Fiorentina management right now. And so turfing out Prade, I think you could make a case that uh, that's going to really, that's going to hamstring the team in a lot of ways. You need that stability. You need someone with the know-how. Prade is the only person there with that. Uh, also, he has, you know, we focused on all of his misses in the Mercado, and there have been a number of them. But he's gotten a few of them really, really right, too. I mean... Lucas Martinez Cuarta has been a revelation. I mean, he, he looks like the next great Fiorentina defender. Uh, Sofian Amrabat, a little bit rocky. And, you know, all of his uh, mm, off-the-field interactions, perhaps, with uh, other people in the club have been suboptimal, if rumor is to be believed. But he's a heck of a player, no matter how you shape it, even if you don't like the way he plays or the way he interprets his role. He himself is a really good player. I don't think anyone can argue that. Uh, Jack Bonaventura has been, I think, better than any of us really expected. He's clearly got some life in those legs. That goal was against Oswaldo yesterday was really spectacular. Showed that he could still run. And bringing back Borja Valero, I think, you know, he hasn't really done much. But emotionally, it really felt right to bring him back to Florence. And I think Prade does deserve a little credit for that. So those are really the only things I can find in favor of keeping him. Mike, would you like to uh, examine the other side of the ledger here? <laughs> uh, sure. Let, 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 let's uh, attack some of those here. You know, stability. I, I love stability in a team. But when <laughs> stability is, is, is fighting off relegation, each of the two years that you're in charge of the players and when stability is you're letting your younger players leave and signing, you know, people ready to hop in a wheelchair uh, <laughs> after they play a couple games like that, not the stability that we need. Uh, expertise, I'm, I'm with you. You know, the club definitely lacks it. There's a lot of enthusiasm coming from Rocco. There's a lot of enthusiasm coming from Joe Barone. <laughs> There's a lot of enthusiasm that comes from uh, Joseph Camiso, 
but we're not talking about replacing Daniele Prade with Joseph Camiso. We're talking about going out and hunting down uh, a, a talent seeker, uh, somebody who can go out and find us players that aren't Talion, who aren't Kokorin, uh, you know, that, that just aren't, um, you know, at the edge of, of their playing lives and looking for a, a last lifeline to continue to play here. And, and to be honest, also get paid a lot of money for doing that. So I, 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 I am really offended in all honesty by, by many things that Daniele Prade has done. Um, and I'm going to say the number one thing that I am offended by isn't that he only works, you know, eight, 10 days out of the year, you know, the last four or five days of a Mercado. Um, I'm mostly offended that when Rocco purchased this club, Rocco told me that, you know, I purchased the club for X amount of money. And when you look at the assets that are inside of the club, I can sell the players off for more money than I purchased the club. And, and he's not planning. He was never planning on doing that, but he understood that there was a lot of talent inside of Fiorentina that was very valuable and more valuable than the collective in which he purchased it from the Della Valle family. What Daniele Prade has effectively done is reprioritize what we focus on. And, and we're no longer focused on those young, exciting players who can change a game. You know, we got rid of Chiesa. We did not renew Milenkovic. We completely, uh, am I allowed to say pissed away? You know, bleep that out, I guess. Um, but we pissed away Vlahovic's contract renewal. And, and this is not Ricky Sotil. Ricky Sotil. Um you know, th this is not something where it also, you know, snuck up on us. Milenkovic, Vlahovic both wanted to have a contract renewal and we let it go until the end of the season. And, and both of them have had breakout seasons, Milenkovic last year, Vlahovic this year, which is going to push us into very uncomfortable contract scenarios. Uh, we kept Milankovic for an extra year. Uh, hopefully we can still sell him. It sounds like we'll get 40 million euros out of him. Um, but that's not a Daniele Prade thing. I mean, that's a previous regime who brought in Milankovic and Prade is just going to luck out uh, as a result of it. Uh, Vlahovic, again, you know, somebody that he lucked out as a result of having. But, you know, my fear is, you know, Corvino did this uh, to Prade and Prade to Corvino before. Um, how much of these players are they bought into because they're somebody else's talent and how much of that becomes an ego thing where they're not going to renew them because they want to go and sell these players to go out and find their own. The problem is Prade has no ability to find his own talent. All his, the players he brings in are older players on inflated salaries and you know, our, our wage scale has completely inflated and the productivity on the field has completely gone out. The air is out of it. Um, and as a result, you know, I wish Rocco was selfish enough to put himself and, and his interest in here. Daniele Prade is the reason why the fans are on the verge of rebelling against the man that they were so excited. They threw a party for him when he came in. And every time that he's in the city, there's people lining up to get selfies. Daniele Prade is the sole reason uh, as to why we are in the position that we're at. 
Um, and, and the fact that we're going to be keeping him for another year longer is, is offensive to me. And uh, I am going to take that stand. It's been getting progressively harsher each and every podcast that we've had over the past couple of uh, weeks. Yeah, and it really has ramped um, up. Yeah, it that. has. It has. But, but at this point, you know, I'm, I'm at the point where it, it, it's offensive to everything, Fiorentina, to all the fans that we are keeping a guy who has had, uh, I'll give him, I'll give him LMQ. I'll give him Igor. Uh, Amrabat was first and foremost, that was Rocco's guy. And it's debatable if we can sell him at a profit uh, at this point. Uh, I'll give him Jack. But Jack fits into his complete mold of a player. We're not going to be able to sell Jack for a profit. Uh, Borja was the guy who wanted back in based off of the love and endearment of the fans. Uh, There was nothing that he did. Uh, Ribery was as a result of Luca Tony. Uh, Kokorin was, I would assume that, you know, there's Polaroids and, and, you know, arrests and warrants, you know, as a result of, of why we signed him. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There, there's nothing. Well, and, and maybe you can say Larola. Larola had a good game yesterday and has had a pretty good performance since he's been in Marseille. But we're now selling him uh, in the off season to uh, a pretty good club in, in Marseille. So even the players that seem to be pretty good, we're not going to be able to take advantage of them because there is absolutely no culture. There, there's no process. There, there's no blueprint for what they're working towards. Um, it, it's really hit and miss, and it's all it's all miss. Yeah, I don't really disagree with anything you're saying. I mostly just wanted to wind you up a little bit. I'm just and, and it worked. That. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing that every time we record one of these until yeah. it becomes just like a 30 minute profanity like nothing but bleeps and producer mike is just gonna have to put the put the tones over everything you say i'm this is my adventure uh how about we do this how about we do this before we move on i'm going to make a new request for every curse word that we say and we bleep out we just use the word prade over top of it instead that's like instead of bleeping it we just say prade over top That's yeah, that's real funny. Uh, Producer Mike, what do you think? Is that workable? That actually makes it so much easier to deal with. All right. Uh, Well, in that case, let's Prade do this. Uh, And now Prade moving on, or I guess moving the Prade on. Uh, Tell you what, Mike. Now that I've wound you up a little bit, let me try to uh, let me try to relax you a little bit more here. And we can run down some of the alternatives to Prade that have been linked to Fiorentina in the past, I don't know, month or so. I've got four names, and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a quick rundown of each one, and you can give me a uh, give me like a one through ten what you think of it, the of these guys the way I describe them. So, all right. Uh, let's start out with uh, let's start out with Cristiano Gentoli, who's been uh, he's at Napoli right now, and the rumor is that Gattuso wants to bring him to Florence if Gattuso signs. Uh, Gentoli, he's actually from Florence. He was born in the city. He's forty nine years old. Uh, he's been at Napoli since twenty fifteen. 
Um, before that, he was at Carpi, took them to uh, four promotions in five years, all the way up to Serie A. He's the guy who unearthed uh, Bobby English, uh, Roberto Inglese, and Kevin Lasagna there. And then uh, at Napoli, I think he's done a pretty good job for the most part of uh, finding talent and uh, selling players for a whole lot of money. He did just sign an extension, uh, I think like a five-year extension maybe, in 2019. So it's likely that Napoli wants to hang on to him at least for a little bit longer. But he's, you know, he's found, uh, he's brought in guys like uh, Victor Elsimien and uh, Nikola Maksimovic. He seems to really like shopping in France. Uh, he's done a really good job of selling backups like Simone Verdi for 22 million euros, uh, Inglese for 18 million. Uh, he has definitely had some misses recently and paid a lot of money. I mean, 70 million euros for Osimhen. Obviously, he's only been there for under a year so far, uh, but sure doesn't look like that yet, like he's worth that 70 mil. Uh, Stanislav Lobotka, who besides sounding like a Bond villain, costs 21 million. <laughs> uh, and then paid 24.5 mil for Simone Verdi as well. But, you know, from Florence, good eye for talent, pretty good at selling guys off at a profit. What do you think? Um, his name is not Prade, so I'm there. Um, but no, I mean, to be honest, what you're describing, somebody who has an eye for talent who can go into other countries, I, I mean, those two things alone um, are, are amazing. I, I think most good business people can sell a lot of these players for a profit once they start showing some of the capabilities. I'm not worried there. And, and to be honest, Daniele Prade has done a, a decent job uh, of selling our young players for profit. Thanks, uh, I guess. I don't know <laughs> if I, I want to say thanks for that, but um, um, no, that, that seems like a, a good good guy. I, I'm there. I'm there. All right. Well, uh, how about Gianluca Petrocchi? He's been probably the name most linked over the past six months or so. Uh, 52 years old. He was at Torino from 2009 to 2019, which is pretty crazy. Tenure, tenure in Italy. No one lasts that long. Uh, and he, at Torino, he dug up uh, Belotti, Immobile. He got them into the UEFA League in 2014 with John Piero Ventura as the coach of all people. So you know he was signing some good players. Uh, took over at Roma in uh, 2019. Uh and did, a, I think, an okay job for the most part. Uh, had a lot of problems finding a replacement for Allison Becker. I mean, you know, Paul Lopez, big swing and a miss. Robin Olsen, big swing and a miss. And they both cost a fair amount of money. Uh, on the plus side, he did sell Patrick Schick for $30 million, which feels like highway robbery. Uh, he also brought in guys like Chris Smalling, a certain Jordan Veritu, Gianluca Mancini, uh Amadou Giawara, Henrik Mkhitaryan. Seems like he's really good at finding uh, backups and outcasts from the, the really big clubs and getting them on loan and then with a fairly low fee uh, to make the move permanent. Uh, where, What are you thinking, Mike? Is that someone Fiorentina could use or are you thinking a different direction works better? So can I read between the lines and is this the guy that almost sold Belotti for 100 million euros? Yeah, yeah, I think so, but then didn't. 
Yeah. Well, that wasn't him. I believe the ownership came in and, and kind of uh, kiboshed that. But if you can show me a guy who can sell Belotti for 100 million euros, I will take him. Yes. And he's not right. Prade. Also important. All right. Uh, yep. Next name on the list, uh, Roberto Goretti. He's popped up maybe in the past week. I've been hearing a lot about him. And I'm a little confused by it, to be honest. He's uh, 44 years old. Uh, he worked as the DS at Perugia for five years. Uh, did an okay job, brought them up, I think, from uh, Serie C or Serie C, and then uh, got them to Serie A. They went right back down. Uh, he actually got let go last year because Perugia got busted back down to Serie C. Uh, he has no experience in Serie A whatsoever. Uh, and he's never really worked anywhere besides Perugia. But he's young. He's only 44. He seems to be pretty highly regarded, really good at uh, finding players on loan, in particular from the big clubs. Uh, you think that's closer to what Fiorentina needs? Is someone who's willing to build through youth and through young players in particular? Or are you looking for someone to make those big splashes? He definitely checks the major box by not being Daniele Prade. Um, you know, he seems to have uh, an approach that fits Fiorentina better. But I personally would like to see somebody with a little bit more experience unless he does have a network. So if he has a network out there where he knows a lot of the agents and he's in contact with a lot of the talent seekers, um, that's somebody that, that would make sense. And, and I'd be willing to take a flyer on it. Uh, especially knowing that we're not going to completely get rid of Daniele Prade. Maybe that's a skill set that can come in mm. with him, N not knowing him at all. Um, but uh, based off of the skill sets you're talking about, it could be a nice compliment. All right, let's do one more. And, you know, if we're talking about guys who would probably work with Prade instead of fully replacing him, uh, we probably got to talk about Marcello Lippi, who I don't think needs a whole lot of an introduction at this point, right? We all know Lippi. Uh, been hearing that he's going to come on as a, a technical director of some type uh, and help create a vision for the team, which would be great. He's announced he announced his retirement from coaching in 2019. I mean, obviously he's a legend. I mean, you know, we're not going to talk about his time with the uh, Newcastle cosplayers up in Turin, but you know, World Cup. Uh, that's a pretty good resume right there. The downside is that he's, what, 70, 77 now? Uh, and he's been in China working first with Guangzhou Evergrande, or Evergrande, sorry, uh, and then with the national team, I think since since he left Vietzuri uh, for the second time back in, what was that, 20, 2012, 2014? So he's... He hasn't been working with European players or agents or European anyone, really, in almost a decade. And he's also 77. And there are some thoughts that maybe he's a little bit past it. I don't know. Do, do you? But, I mean, on the other hand, he's Marcello Prade Lippi. Do you think that he's a... You think that he's the kind of guy who Fiorentina could use in conjunction with Prade? Or do you think this is just just kind of a pipe dream, basically. 
And just to clarify for all the listeners out there, his middle name is not Prade. His middle name is what's supplemented for the new Prade uh, and what it means. Because <laughs> there's a lot of Prades being thrown around here. I just want to make sure. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, here's, here's what scares me. Anybody who goes to China and comes back, um, they went there for a reason. Uh, you know, China just had a whole bunch of money that they started throwing around. And there really was no accountability towards who they spent it on and, and where the money went. Uh, so does he interest me despite his past? Uh, no. Uh, and um, I, I don't think that he's also going to bring the change of views. I don't think he's going to be the, uh, if he's working with Prade, I don't think he's going to be the polar opposite that we need. Prade is going to try to take us in one direction and he probably kind of fits a lot of those molds. We would need somebody younger who's going to think a little bit more towards the future uh, working alongside of him. So despite who he is, despite his past and his successes, I am not interested. Dang. That's actually not at all where I thought you were going to go with that. I thought you were going to be into it. No, I'm, I'm not into it. Not into it at all. What I'm, what I'm looking for, and I'll, I'll describe it in this because we like analogies here. Um, go back to our childhood. We all liked uh, watching the cartoons. You know, Saturday morning you get up and you start watching your cartoons and you turn on, what else? Inspector Gadget. Uh, at this point, what do we know? Daniele Prade, Inspector Gadget. Uh, what we need is we need Penny. You know, we need Penny who's going to come in as Inspector Gadget's, you know, talking about all these things and using his go-go gadget arms and hat and, and helicopter and, and just messing everything up. Uh, we need Penny to come in and save the day and, and actually solve the crimes and, and fix all of the scenarios that are being broken by, by Inspector Gadget. Um, so I, I think we need a change of not only guard, but we need a change of ideas and mentality. So I'm looking for somebody to be a little bit younger, a little bit more fresh, just like Penny. Yeah, um, I can't say so. Uh, wow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Penny. Yeah. What are we looking for, Penny? Sorry, that kind of uh, that kind of wrong-footed me a little bit there. Um, so I didn't grow up watching cartoons at all. We didn't watch TV in my house, so I've got no real frame of reference with you here. Sorry, dude. Uh, we should, yeah. Sorry, we should wrap this up so I can go do some research on uh, Inspector Gadget. But uh, yeah, 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 definitely watch a couple. Yeah, okay, yeah, do some scouting, do some scouting. Uh, but don't go anywhere. We do have something else to go right after this that I think everyone will enjoy. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, listeners. 
appreciate your time and joining us again. Uh, as always, we are very appreciative of having a phenomenal guest here, uh, editor-in-chief of Fiorentina.it, somebody that you've already probably known, uh, at least listened to and read a lot of the information, uh, Nicolo Musel. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Hi, guys. It's great to be here with you guys. Yep. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How's, uh, how's everything going on over in Florence right now? Uh, I know you guys are bouncing back and forth between red and orange and then taking into consideration. Uh, do we call it a game yesterday? Whatever you want to call it. I can't imagine <laughs> things are going very well. Well, um, things are looking brighter from the well COVID point of view, as in uh, we're orange again. And probably starting from next month, businesses are going to be opening again. So restaurants will be open again. Uh, we'll still have a curfew uh, 10 o'clock at night every day. But apart from that, things are looking slightly brighter now. Uh, the vaccination campaign is going a bit too slowly, but hopefully it will, it will pick up soon enough and uh, things will start get, getting back to normal. Normal. They, they're even talking about having fans again in the stadium before the end of the season. So that would be great. Obviously, we have the Euros next summer, so uh, they want to start like trying out with fans in the stadium so that they, they will allow uh, fans for the Euro in Rome and uh, in, in stadiums in Europe. So that's, that's good. From a team point of view, things couldn't be worse right now. Uh, we're still pretty much stuck into that relegation zone and relegation fight. Uh, last night game, Sassuolo game was... Uh, it's quite awful. I think it was one of the worst games of the season because it, it was a two phases game. And uh, the first half, we saw some good things. Uh, Sassuolo were definitely playing better, but uh, for once, uh, Fiorentina proved to be like a, a cynical team and they managed to get that goal ahead in the first half. And uh, I thought they were they could be able to control the game and then Everything fell off in the second half, uh, those two penalties. And uh, we just saw the team collapsing. That was, uh, we see that the, there's, a, there's a problem with the mentality of the players right now and on the team. They're not, they're not really, um, they're not playing as a team. That's the main problem. They're not playing as a team. And as soon as they hit the first bump, they collapse straight away. And there were some mistakes with the changes as well. But yeah, it was a pretty awful game. And... I'm still optimistic uh, about the ending of this of this season, but I was definitely more optimistic before last night games. Now I see, I see that we might have some problems. I still feel that we won't get relegated, but it will be tough after last night game. Yeah, no doubt. And and in your opinion, that first penalty was that a penalty? Uh, I think they were both penalties, yes. For once, we weren't robbed uh, of anything. They were penalties and uh, fair decisions by uh, the referee. Uh, we didn't have much experience in Serie A, but uh, he did a, a fair job. Uh, I think the defences are main problem right now, um, tactical-wise. Uh, we see players like Milenkovic and Petzella, who were supposed to be the pillars of this club and of this team, uh, and they, they didn't prove to be um, as good as they, they're supposed to. 
and especially Petzela now is not worthy of that uh, captain, that uh, armband. Uh, yeah, we dev- like, can't, can't wait for this season to end so that we can uh, start again and start from scratch with uh, with new players and uh, solve these these issues. I'm glad you said about that. Yeah, let, let's dive into something a little bit happier here before we make ourselves too sad. Uh, I was just wondering, I mean, you've obviously been covering Fiorentina for a long time. You've been a fan for a long time. Who are your favorite players and what are your favorite moments that you remember? Um, favorite players would have to say, obviously, easy answer is Batistuta. Uh, is everyone's favorite players when you talk about Fiorentina and uh, you guys being fans abroad, you know that every time you bring Fiorentina's name up, Somewhere else, apart from Italy, Batistuta is the first name that comes up. So he's definitely one of them. But obviously, uh, I probably was uh, I was fairly too young to appreciate in full his uh, his career in Florence. I managed to um, rewatch most of the games afterwards, and then I fully got into Fiorentina after the. Um, the relegation to Chidue, so the fourth division. And uh, and I have to say, as dramatic as that was, it was very fun to follow the the, the club growth again and the, the 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 run to the Serie A again. That was one of the, my favorite moments, I'd have to say, because it was uh, dark and and uh, and happy at the same time, because you could see the passion. That 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 one really. Um, the Fiorentina's uh, Florence passion for football came out, and you'd you, you'd see 25,000 fans in a fourth division game, and that was great to see that uh, and to witness that was a great experience. Obviously, I wish I never have to witness that again, but because uh, <laughs> uh, I hope that we can stay in Serie A as much as we can. But it was fun to watch. And it was a once in a lifetime experience. And after that, the first De La, Fal- De La Valle's years with the um, Prandelli were great. The, the first Prandelli experience was was amazing. And uh, players like Adrian Mutu, uh, I, I'd say he's uh, he's my uh, he's on top. He's up there with my favorite players, Fiorentina players, and uh, uh, Pizarro as well. Is unsung heroes sometimes we forget how good he was yeah not in florence probably but in italy he's not he's not praised enough for uh, how good he was and um i don't know i'm a big fan of defenders so uh, i really like savage when he was in yeah. uh, in florence and i i'm quite surprised that he didn't turn out to be as good as uh, as uh, we thought he would i mean he's he's good but i he's a uh, I, I really thought he could become one of the best defenders in Europe. Yeah. Back when he was in Florence. I guess the, the injuries got him a little bit, but yeah. I mean, but I mean, don't get me wrong. He still did a great career. Oh, yeah. and he's, he's, uh, he, he's doing really well, but I thought he, he would really become one of the, one of the best out but, there. I mean, that's what I thought about Nicola Camporese too. So I, it's not like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least he was a Nastasic. Uh, uh, exactly. Well, Nastasic was another player that I really liked, and I really thought he could do could do well. And um, I was really surprised to see how his career planned out. But uh, yeah. 
uh, but he was really good as well in Florence. Gonzalo Rodriguez was a great one as well. Yep. Uh, Borca Valero in his first Fiorentina uh, run was great. Yeah. Luca Toni, we managed to see Luca Toni in his uh, in his prime and uh, see him win the the Golden Boot and everything. So uh, we did witness some some great years recently in Florence. It was it, it was fun. We didn't win much, but it was still really fun to to be a Fiorentina fan during those days. And Absolutely. And you've been around, you've seen quite a bit, uh, both on the fan side and the journalism side. And, you know, quick sidebar between, you know, you and and Stefano Del Corona, you guys have been very uh, gracious uh, to our sites and and to a lot of our uh, reporting and and certainly on the podcast here. We want to thank you. Uh, You were actually one of the first people that, that we met. Um, on the Italian journalism side back in, in the ICC a couple of years ago. Uh, any, any takeaways from your trip back to the United States and, and, you know, any stories that you take from, you know, being a journalist covering the team over the past few years? Um, work-wise, the ICC was one of the best experiences I've, I've, um, I've had. Uh, it was great to follow the team in uh, in the U.S. and it was only three of us. It was only three Italian journalists uh, following the team around. So that was that was really great to be. Obviously, we're quite used to be um, close to the team to follow the team, but seeing it in the U.S. and experience how sports is uh, uh, is run over there and being able to uh, be with the club in all the sporting facilities that they were using was was really great. And obviously. It was the prime uh, Rocco Comiso days, so the enthusiasm was over the top. And um, it was great to be in New York for the Fiorentina um, party in in the Bronx with Rocco himself, uh, see the Fiorentina fans over there, see the purple in the American streets was great. And uh, games were friendly matches, but... It was uh, it was uh, all in all a really really fun experience for us and uh, for Fiorentina fans as well. With, like being able to report that to the to the Fiorentina fans back in Italy and in Florence was uh, was a unique experience for sure. And um, uh, for uh, you, you were saying like as a, as an, as a journalist, I've experienced some really hard days, as in like especially the last. The, the the latest part of uh, De La Valle's uh, run as uh, as owners, a lot of uh, protest against the the club management, uh, um, and we 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 really saw the lack of uh, passion for for the first time in years. Uh, Fiorentina fans were becoming detached uh, from the club, and uh, passion was just not there anymore. And then Rocco came. And all of a sudden, uh, he he brought the passion back for real. And see that first day of Rocco at the stadium, full of fans, it was it was amazing. And Frank Ribery's presentation at the end of the summer was uh, unique as well, a unique experience as well. And unfortunately, that wasn't followed by results on the pitch, and that that's really a disappointment because they could have. From there, they could have really built up a great run with the fans and with the passion and with the excitement. And unfortunately, that wasn't followed by results. And and here we are now with uh, a lot of fans complaining again about the 
the team, but not just team, but about the management again. And it's quite it's it's quite soon uh, after Rocco came. It's just only two years he's been around, and uh, people are already complaining about the management of the club, and that's that's a pity. And that actually segues us into our next topic here pretty smoothly. Uh, what do you think is the biggest thing that's gone wrong this year? I mean, I know we were talking a little bit about how the players are really not taking any responsibility. It seems like all of the supporters are really piling on the management. But do you think the players have any responsibility here as well? Um Yes, I do. Uh, when you say, when you ask uh, what went wrong, there's there's a lot of things that went wrong in this season. Unfortunately, there's a, there's a long list of things that went wrong. Yeah, starting from uh, the decision made by uh, Rocco and Prade as well uh, about, but mainly, unfortunately, I have to say, uh, mainly by Rocco uh, of keeping Yakini after last season as as a manager because uh, a decision was made. At the end of last season, to to change manager and uh, talks that had already been held with Yurich, uh, and they were really close to signing him as uh, as manager. And then Rocco decided to keep Yakini because obviously he's a loyal. Uh, he, he likes loyalty in 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 business, and he says, "Okay, Yakini has done all right, so he deserves another another chance in this club." Unfortunately, that wasn't a good decision. Uh, um, in hindsight, uh, and after that, um, the decision to keep players like Petzella and Milenkovic, who had already made their mind up and had already decided to uh, leave the club, and uh, we we uh, we had already the experience with Keza, we can't keep a player against his will. Uh, unfortunately, in modern football, uh, once a player wants to leave. You have to let him go because it's uh, having him playing against his will in a club uh, won't bring results. Simple as that. And uh, also selling Chiesa at the end of the campaign um, of the transfers uh, session, right at the end before the last day, basically, that was a mistake. Not done by Fiorentina because of Juventus. I don't want to like uh, blame anyone, but that was definitely a mistake because they didn't have enough time to place him uh, properly. They said Callejon was gonna be his replacement, <laughs> but it just wasn't. It just wasn't the the right player because uh, for Yakini's style of play, he wasn't the right player. So um, that started things off uh, in the season, and then uh, after that, there was a lot of. Um, yeah, as we said, uh, the the players that Yakini had weren't right for his, uh, his style of play. They needed another striker at least at the beginning of the season, and they needed a regista. They needed a, someone who could run plays, because unfortunately, Bulgar proved that last season proved that he wasn't the right player to do so. And putting Amrabat at the beginning of the season in that role was just a waste. Like having a player like Amrabat and having him to play regista. Was just a mistake yeah. because he wasn't his uh, his role, and that's not the, uh, the he doesn't have the, those skills. Um, so those a lot of mistakes were made on the like transfer wise, uh, and 
obviously they were made by Joe and uh, and Joe Barone and Prade. And uh, after that, uh, it was hard. Like when they decided to finally let Yakini go, there were no other managers that would uh, will will accept the job just until the season and not accept uh, like all the all the managers want at least uh, a one year and a half contract. And so there was no one around uh, better than Prandelli. So I don't think Prandelli's choice was a mistake. It's just the only logical choice out there. And uh, unfortunately, he, we, we all know what happened with Prandelli. Uh, I don't think it's all to blame to his um, mental condition. I think he realized at, at a certain point that the players weren't with him anymore and weren't following his advices anymore. And uh, it's unfortunate because we, tactical wise, we, we were seeing some improvements, but the team wasn't there anymore. And he, in, and he didn't, he just, he just gave up. He just said like, I can't work with the team who doesn't want to follow me. And, uh, and I don't want to be responsible if things go uh, south from here. I don't want to be that guy around because of the memories I have with this club and because of the relationship I have with this city and the fans. Um, and at that point, there was no choice other than calling Yakini back. But uh, uh, unfortunately, another, pro another problem with this season is that managers were taken as the main responsible for, um, for the situation, but just the players didn't show up most of the times. And uh, uh, there's no mentality. Uh, like the player doesn't, the, the, the team doesn't, doesn't play as a team. You can see a lot of detached players. There's no, um, uh, they're not tied up together when they play. And um, you can see that on the pitch. Every single game has a very weak mentality with these players. And, um, and most of the time, they weren't taken into accountability for, for the games. Uh, the, even Rocco, a lot of times, uh, said that the problem was with the media. Who media were too critical of his work and of the club, and uh, a lot of times it's just that I'm not saying we're not because in Florence we are very critical. Uh, don't get me wrong, but and there's a lot of uh, media attention around the club, but no one ever said the players really need to do better. Like we never heard that from from managers from. Uh, Club management. We never heard. We ne never heard anything about the about the players. A lot of times, even the manager Prandelli and Yakini at the end of the game said, uh, "Oh, we played bad. We we played really good. Unfortunately, the result wasn't what we were hoping for, but we played well. Uh, we saw improvements, and most of the times we didn't. <laughs> that, that's simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Some of those games we actually just gave them away. <laughs> Exactly. Get the same response. Um, you know, talking about uh, Prade, uh, you're covering these uh, these players. Uh, you're covering the the team all the time. Does he work more than four days every other window? <laughs> or is that all he's working all year? A good question. Yeah, it, it seems like every time we know exactly what we need right from the beginning of the transfer window, but then we end up doing all, all the main businesses. Uh, right at the end in the last four days. And that's, that's quite, 
yeah, that's unlikely. And uh, you don't get the best deals at the end of the transfer windows. That's simple as that. It's just like if you want to get the best deals, you need to start uh, right at the beginning, even before the, the, the window. Because even last last year, we knew that we, we needed to find a Keza replacement because we knew Keza was going. And uh, we knew that Pizzella and Milankovic potentially were interested in leaving as well so we we could have found replacement for them we knew exactly that we needed a striker both in the summer and in january and then we ended up buying Kokorin, who's a might be a, a, a decent striker but he's a striker that we won't mm. be able to see until the end of the until the end of the until the end of the season so that's uh, that's just simple as that it's just like stupid mistakes uh that could have been avoided and um, and we fell right into them and uh, so he does work I'm sure he's, uh, he's, uh, he's one of the few people in Fiorentina that are really football like one of the mistakes that yeah. Rocco made is that and he gets really offended when we say this he gets really offended when we say that he doesn't have much experience in football and he has a lot of passion and he loves football and he was a footballer when he was we were in, when he was young at university we all know this story we have, we've heard it and it's a great story but unfortunately passion doesn't make football clubs it's not enough for for football clubs to to run properly and you need to put fo- uh, people who know how to run a club in charge and uh, barone is is a really good uh a uh, good man. I've met him a few times. I spoke, uh, I've spoken to him uh, many times. He's, uh, he's great. But unfortunately, running a club in the US, not even uh, in the MLS, in the uh, U, what's it called? Um, uh, USL? Uh, NAS, oh, NAS, yeah, NASL. Uh, NASL. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a different ball game. It's just, it's just different. It's a whole different thing. So you need to put people in charge that know how to handle things in uh, in European football, particularly in Serie A, was even tougher than other like many other leagues. And Prade is one of those few people, but he's uh, he's great at dealing with other clubs, but he's not that man who will find you those hidden gems, those players that no one else knows, those players that might not cost that much, but will turn out to be great players. He, he does pay for, for like, he, he pays a lot for players that sometimes are quite average. So sometimes, he, like, in his first uh, Fiorentina experience, he was working with Masia, who was great from that point of view. So, like, he would have Masia scouting around players around Europe, and then he would go and deal with the clubs. And uh, unfortunately, this time around, he wasn't uh, helped with, uh, he, there was no one who was helping him from that point of view. He's working closely with some agents, but unfortunately, agents will, pu- will push their own players. And uh, that's sometimes could be a good deal if you get Raiola, who, who will give you all the best players. <laughs> but if you have uh, Davide Lippi, who, who, who like, he'll, he'll, bring, he'll bring Ribery, but then he'll bring some, some, some players like Boateng, who will not turn out to be that great for your club. So... Um, you either differentiate and work with different agents or um, you'll get someone who's able to scout players around 
Europe and get you the best deals, like a lot of time Corvino did, for example. And I think this takes us, yeah, into our next one. And we're going to, I'm just going to let Mike go here because he has a, an attachment to Dusan Vlaovic. And if we're talking about okay. Corvino and finding uh, players. Well, I, have a, I have a huge attachment for him too, so. Yeah, Mike. Oh, it, it, it goes back. It's it's deep. It's deep. That that's my boy right there. Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, I just hope he gets out. Um, uh, man, talking about Prade here, uh, we we've we've seen Chiesa leave after not renewing, despite the year before talking about being open to a renewal. We've we've seen Milinkovic uh, last year wanting to renew, and uh, then he never did, and come to June he's talking about leaving. So now his contract will be expiring and, and we need to get rid of him. Dushan has been talking about renewing, going back to the beginning of the season. And we just let it play out until he just had a breakout uh, and became, you know, everybody's poster child for what the future is going to become. <sighs> Damn you, Prade. But, you know, in your opinion, you know, does Dushan resign with the club? Does he get bigger money and why in the hell is Fiorentina offering 1.2 million to him when they're off, when they're giving 1.8 to you know probably the only job that he has available to him at this point is Calcio Storico because I watched some of his film he, he's he's much better for Calcio Storico Cochran is than than he is playing uh, Serie A football. Yeah, very good question. Uh, with uh, with Dusan Vlaovic, that's that's um, that's a huge mistake that they've done. Uh, I think uh, probably they weren't prepared for such a breakout this year. Uh, they knew that he was gonna be good, but not as good as he's being right now. Um, as I said, he's got. I I got. I have a soft spot for uh, for Dusan because. Uh, uh, I met him when he was still playing for the Primavera and he was like the nicest player I've ever met. One of the nicest and the most uh, polite players I've met in recent years, especially during the ICC. He was like the only players who would always come up to us and say, hi guys, how you doing? And uh, um, take pictures. And I was the very first uh, person he, who interviewed him. So that was quite, uh, I'm quite happy about that yeah. at the beginning of uh last season and um and he's the he's the kind of guy that would tell you uh even if i score a goal at the end of the game i'm not happy because i could have scored two or three uh i did see a bit of a change last year after six months when he started scoring uh his attitude came, uh, changed a little bit um he became a little bit more uh, cocky and a little bit more arrogant but that's Fair enough. That's what footballers need to need to like. That's how they need to be when they when they go. Like, look at Ibrahimovic. He made a career out of being an arrogant uh, player, and mm -hmm. uh, he's a good one though. <laughs> so, uh, and I was speaking to Valery Bojino, former Fiorentina striker, and he's a good friend with uh, with Dusan, and he said like, he's he could be like that, and uh, as long as he doesn't. Um, exaggerate with his attitude. He could really become like mentally. He has the attitude, uh, the attitude that usually is typical of of champions and of really good players. So a mistake was made when uh, they didn't renew the, his contract at the beginning of the season. They could have renewed it for one point three, and now I think he won't take less than uh, two two point five. 
and uh, but he deserves it. Like right now, he's uh, he's the hottest prospect in in Italy and one of the hottest in uh, in Europe. He's uh, he's only twenty one, so he's the younger. He's like he's young uh, among the young strikers. He's the best uh, after Holland. Yeah. So. And not, numbers do talk for him now. He's just like without Dusan Vlaovic, we would be uh, in much worse uh, troubles in a, in a much worse situation. Unfortunately, we have a trend with Fiorentina and young talents uh, re- in recent years. Uh, we buy them or we develop them and we make them good. And then as soon as they're good enough, they leave. And it's a trend that Unfortunately, it won't change anytime soon because Fiorentina doesn't have the uh, the power and the um, uh, the appeal to keep them in uh, in Florence. That the appeal is 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 the main issues. And um, same with Milankovic. Like I can't blame them because as much as we want them to stay, and as much as Fiorentina fans, uh, as a Fiorentina fan, I want them to be wearing purple. Uh, as, uh, for as long as they can, it, if they want to develop in their career, is Florence is not just the place where they can do that, uh, because at, they, we won't be fighting for those for those top spots anytime soon. Uh, it takes a bit of time to to go back to that level, and uh, so we we were hoping that the beginning of the process was starting two years ago, but now we we have to start all over again. So. Uh, Milankovic will be leaving. I think Dusan Vlaovic, we might convince him to stay for another year. If we, but it really all depends on how on how this season ends. And obviously, things right now aren't making aren't helping Fiorentina uh, uh, and uh, dealing with the with the with the Vlaovic situation. But if Comiso is convincing enough, he will manage to keep him for one more year, and then. Sadly, we'll have to see him leave. And it, it'll be good for him as well because Fiorentina is an environment where he knows everyone and he, we know how good he is and we can uh, cherish him and uh, uh, we can build a, a team around him. And uh, we, he, he'll be sure that he'll have that, that spot on the team all year long. He won't have to fight for, uh, for, for, his, uh, uh, for his spot. So... Maybe we'll keep another year, and then after that, if he proves himself as good as he is, it will be it will go to a top club. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I, I think we'll all miss him, but he's definitely proved his worth for a top level club. Uh, not only just Fiorentina, but I'm with you. You know, we'd we'd probably be bottom dwellers with Crotone if it wasn't for Dusan Vlahovic this year. Yeah, I, yeah, and oh, oh, go ahead, please. No, no. As I say, like he's he's really young, but you can see, like even physically, he's developed already, and uh, he's so he's he's ready to 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 be in a top club. Uh, but the problem with top clubs is that you know you won't have that spot straight away. You'll have to fight for it. Yeah. Chiesa for Juventus was uh, we we didn't think he's gonna be as. Um, he was going to start as much as he does. He's done this year, but he's uh, he's really proven himself. Like mentally, he's he's a he's a great player. Yeah. Um, despite what we <laughs> all think about Kessa in Florence, but like 
uh, he's he's just a he's a, just a, a great all-around player, and he, he probably surprised all of us when he became important as he is now for Juventus. So, and Dusan is just um, I think mentally is just as good as uh, Chiesa. So he if he goes to a top club, he's ready to to be there. But just being in Florence will will make him become uh, a lot better next year. Yeah, that, that whole extra year. That's a shame Chiesa went off with a hamstring. A hamstring injury. Oh, that's a shame. A week before the Fiorentina game, too. Man, it's so bad for him. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, uh, well, thanks for that, Mike. Um, but, yeah, you, you're talking about next year. So, I mean, here's the question, especially if Lalovic does stick around for next year. How would you... If you if you could, how would you fix this team for next year? I mean, I, I think you have to start with the with the coaching and with the sporting director, like you said, and then build out the squad after. So who who would you look at there? I mean, we've heard names like Capuso, we've heard Lippi, we've heard of you know a whole bunch of different sporting directors. Right. What, what uh, do you think? Who, who should who should Fiorentina get? Uh, There's a huge question mark on next season because uh, where we will be playing, Serie A or Serie B, that's that's the thing. Like now, as I said at the beginning, uh, I'm I'm quite optimistic about the ending of this uh, of this season. I think that uh, five points uh, from Cagliari is a good gap. It's is good enough for us to be to stay in Serie A to be okay, but. Uh, the, uh, again, like it's quite hard to plan next season now when it's still like the future is still so uncertain, and that's I think that probably com- even Rocco Comiso didn't hope for. I I, I I think when he came to to Italy le- le- last week, he was hoping for the situation to be a little bit more uh, calm and uh, and settled so that he could start planning next season for a sporting director. Having said that, a lot of mistakes were made during the last two years. Uh, I think a change was needed, but things are looking like Prade will stay because he has a good relationship with uh, Barone. And uh, uh, so they find themselves working well together and probably he will stay. It's a, it's a, a decision that Will, will not make fans happy. We've tried with some polls uh, in recent weeks uh, asking uh, asking fans what they think about this decision, and the result is quite uh, it's quite clear. Like ninety percent of the fans uh, want him to go and uh, want a change in management. Like we, you could start a new project with uh, with a new sporting director straight away, but as I said, things are looking like it looks like it won't change. So like Prade will be. The next sporting director at Fiorentina. Uh, hopefully, he will get more like different people working with him and uh, helping him find players out there. Um, Coach-wise, um, it looks like like the dream was uh, was Sari. It was the fans' dream. It was everyone's dream. And uh, he's that he's that manager that has the charisma to take on. Um, a new a new course for Fiorentina, uh, both in the eyes fan and both in the players' uh, eyes. Uh, sorry, in the fans' eyes and in the players' eyes. But 
he'll probably stay a dream. So he won't he won't be coming to Florence, and neither will uh, Spalletti. Those are the like the top names that you could get because uh, those are two managers who are not just great but who are Fiorentina fans. So they embrace the the passion for for Fiorentina as well, and that's always good for fans. Uh, Rocco really likes Gattuso. He said it at the beginning of his uh, experience in Italy because he's from uh, Calabria, just like him. And uh, he's, uh, he's definitely a, a manager with grit and uh, charisma. So he doesn't have technical ideas that are revolutionary and uh, are that great. Like he, we... One thing that we want to see from Fiorentina next season and fans want to see from Fiorentina next season is Fiorentina playing well because that, that's something that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. I think last time we saw a really good Fiorentina with, with, that had its own style of play was when uh, Souza was in charge in his first uh, season in charge when Fiorentina managed to reach the, the top spot in the, in the league. Um, so if I was to choose, I would go for a, um, like right now, my ideal manager would be Urich probably, uh, because he's, uh, he's someone who can, uh, who can do a lot with the average players. So the, he will allow you to make a campaign that won't cost you too much, but will bring results. That's what he brought to, to Elas Verona and, not just that, not only brings results, but also if you manage to develop a- average players, you'll be able to sell them for a lot more and then finance the future campaigns. Uh, so that's that's good. And that will allow Rocco Comiso not to spend too much money on the club because uh, right now they're not making any revenues and the situation with the stadium won't change anytime soon. So he won't be able to finance uh the club by like by club revenues um so i'd say my 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 name would be urich but rumor says it that gattuso is really close to to signing if fiorentina managed to stay in seria and uh, managed to keep that spot And, and one of the things that, that I've heard over the past couple of months is that uh, Fiorentina started souring on coaches that would have um, a necessity to bring their own DS or to have uh, a priority of a, a, a DS outside of Prade. Did you hear that any of uh, somebody like a Spalletti and Sari were, were kind of moved on from because they may have wanted to have a preference for who the director of sport would be? working alongside of them um i haven't heard that like is uh, like prade has a good relationship with both of them so potentially they could have worked with prade as well i think it was more about uh what what their their priorities are right now and their priorities are to work with a club that can still win them trophies or at least help them fighting for uh, for trophies and unfortunately fiorentina right now doesn't have the appeal to attract players that will would uh will fight for the will, will, will help you fighting for those spots and uh as i said like bringing fiorentina back to uh fighting for um uh, europe spot, europe places and uh, europa league and champions league 
is uh, it's not utopistic. We can go back there, but it just takes a few years. And right now, I think uh, Sari and Spalletti weren't willing to wait years to to go back there. They they were they were hoping to to work with a club that is ready now to fight at least for a, a Champions League spot. So I think that was the main issue. Like Sari is in talks with uh, Roma right now, uh, or um, Spalletti. Spalletti is a, is a manager that also wants a lot of money. Uh, as in like uh, his contract is quite expensive. Uh, he's still getting paid by Inter and he wasn't willing to break his Inter contract until the end of it because he wanted all the money that Inter was due. Uh, I had to give him so like it was due to, to pay him. Uh, so... I think that was the main issue right now, the appeal that Fiorentina has. And that's uh, that's a pity because in the past, Fiorentina was uh, was a club that was able to attract great players. And and and, the, and I think Comiso's passion helped bring in someone like Frank Ribery to Florence. So, uh, but that, as, as, we, as we were saying before, results didn't follow. And right now, Fiorentina is... Uh, this is the third year that Fiorentina are fighting for a relegation, like for a relegation spot. So it's just like Fiorentina's name is not just good enough anymore for uh, for people to invest their future in it right now. So that makes perfect yeah, sense. I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but that's 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 how the the situation is right now. <laughs> yeah, there's no other real way to sound. Is how can it get? As like as fans and, and as the fans always say, like they they they, they say, oh, but Sari is a is a Fiorentina fan, so he should like he should like if he really wanted to, he should come. But it's just it, football is not that uh, romantic anymore, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and being a fan and passion is not enough for uh, for players to come, for managers to come. Now it's all about it's a lot about business and money, and uh, and unfortunately we've. We've fallen down the the ranks, and so. But we, as I said, with a good project in mind and with good uh, players and players who are involved in the in this project, we could easily go back. And now we'll have a, a Centro Sportivo, so we'll have a, like facilities that are unlike no other club in in Italy. And with that, possibly results will come. I have one last question and then we'll throw it back to Tito here. Uh, and this, you know, coming on, not being pessimistic by any means here, but uh, just the realistic side as we're doing this, Torino just won 3 1. Okay. Uh, I wasn't, uh, okay, wasn't following. Great, great, great. Yep. So, so that's not good. But uh, looking forward, in, in your opinion, you know, what does the future of the club look like from a, a player and personnel standpoint? Do we get back to prioritizing younger players that we can develop? Does the wage scale shift back to those players? Or do we continue in the Prade like Fiorentina years of re-signing Ribéry, you know, going out and, and attracting some of the older, nearly retired players right before they come to the United States and completely retire? <laughs> So just like, so is, is your question, what is likely to happen or what I want it to happen? Because I think the, 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 the right decision is to start from, uh, from the youth sector, from young players. Uh, and uh, if you see all the examples out there, 
uh, Atalanta, Sassuolo, and all these all these clubs. Those are clubs that work with the young players. Empoli, for example, these are all players that work with the youth teams and uh, developing young talents. And uh, from that, you you not you not only have in the future players for your first team. But you have strong players that you can sell, and with those sell, uh, with those sales, you can finance the club and make it healthy, and uh, and obviously you you make it appealing for young players, so that you can still like develop young talent. So that's I think that that would be the way to go. There hasn't been much attention to the youth sector recently uh, since um, Corvino left, since uh, Virginia left. There's been a lack of uh, um, work and uh, involvement in the youth sector. Unfortunately, the Primavera uh, is living like right now. His experience is his worst season in a long, long time, uh, and that's that's just a result of uh, current decisions. So I think uh, Comiso made a huge investment with the, uh, the new training facilities, and uh, but. He has to follow that with uh, investing in the youth teams and uh, investing on uh, like investing in the sporting director and 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 in the manage like in putting people in the club that will develop the youth sector and will work and and see that the youth sector as a a focus point in in building a club, uh, but. And again, even when buying players, just buy a mixture of uh, experienced players, but also young players that will uh, that can grow into this club. Because that's the, the, that's the thing with this club. Like, we need a, a good mixture of those uh, those two factors, and we haven't had that recently. We we went from having a really young team, like one of the youngest teams in Europe, with no experience at all, to putting in way too many. Old players who were already just like Boateng and Borca uh, uh, Valero as well. Bada, like we brought back a lot of uh, former Fiorentina players that was just not. They were already at the end of their careers, and um, and when you're at the end of the, your career and you're, uh, if you're in the top spots, it's okay. It's easy because you're used to that and. Uh, you're okay. You're in your comfort zone, but if the time the teams start struggling, and you're an experienced player, you're at the end of your run. You're not willing to fight for uh, for the club. You're just like, oh, I can't be bothered with this anymore. It's just like you're not. You won't be as involved as you as you as you were in the in the, in the good old days. Uh, uh, fair like Ribery. Is not one of these. Like Ribery really uh, put himself and uh, really got himself involved with the with the with the team, um, but he's uh, he's one of a kind, and uh, most of the other examples were just different. Yeah. Well, with that rosy picture painted, uh, I, I I agree with you. I don't think that Fiorentina is going to get relegated. I think they'll be back in Serie A next year. Uh, Mike's looking at the screen and smiling and shaking his head, but you know, despite that, um, I have to say, if you want to see, like, we, I can taste, like, because obviously on our on a, on the website we we have uh, the fans commentating, and uh, that's our main features. Like, we have a huge uh, fan base, 
and we can like sense what the, the the feeling for the fans is right now and a lot of people are pessimistic right now because of how things went this season and because of uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a string of bad luck around this club uh, this season and what happened with the uh, with Prandelli as well seem someone like him leaving all of a sudden and there's a lot of uh, a lot of bad bad events one after the other in this season so uh, there's a lot of pessimism going around the club right now. Uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, as I said, I'm optimistic. So hopefully we'll, <laughs> we're right. So we'll see. Yeah, so what with that optimism, what do you think happens next year? What, just real quick, where do you think Fiorentina finishes in the table? And do you think that if we have this conversation in the year 2022, would it be a very different conversation or are we just going to be saying the same things over and over? Oof, very good question. Like, I wish I had a magic ball to answer <laughs> that question in the right way. Yeah, uh, right. right now, there's a huge, huge question mark on, on next season. Like, like this, nothing has been decided. We don't know who the, like, as I said, we have rumors of what might happen, but we don't know for sure who's going to be the sport director, who's going to be the manager of the club, who will be the players? Because we'll, we, you know, we know that some of the players will leave. We know that Pizzella is likely to leave. Milenkovic is likely to leave. We don't know if Dusan Vlaovic is staying. We don't know what's going on with the Ribery situation. We don't know. It's like there's a lot of uncertainty around the club right now. It's really hard to answer that question. I think next season... Uh, we won't be if we stay in the Serie A, we'll do better than this year. I'm optimistic of that. Like we will be better, but I don't think we'll we'll be ready to fight for a European spot yet. Like we won't be up there. Like we won't be uh, one of those one of those clubs fighting for the Europa League. But we could be around the like the tenth position, like mid middle of the of the table. Uh, and that's the improvement we can hope for. Hopefully, as I said, like that's being realistic, but like being optimistic, we could do better. But like right now, there's a there's way too much uh, uncertainty around the club that, and and uh, on on what is happening with the with the changes that will happen. Because I said, unfortunately, we'll have to witness another quote unquote revolution next summer with a lot of players going, manager going, and. Uh, Again, it's starting from scratch once again, and uh, it's not good for a club to do this uh, so often. Yeah. Well, I think that probably wraps us up for today uh, because hearing any more sad news, I think is just <laughs> gonna depress all of us too much. Nicolo, thank you so much for coming on. It was really, really good to have you on, on the podcast. Thanks, guys, for having me. And whenever you want, I'm here, and uh, I'm happy to to talk to people to like to have a different per perspective on the club as well, and to be able to like obviously this will help getting in touch with fans uh, out of Italy and Florence. And that's great for for us and for Fiorentina. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike did all the real work. 
huge, huge thank you to Nicolo Misul for coming in and classing up the joint. You can find him at Fiorentina.it. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from Viola Nation. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Podcast Network.